Welcome back to Division One Rejects. Today is Monday, the 10th, April 10th. Uh, this will be the only episode this week. I'm heading to Baltimore Wednesday night. Um, we'll actually be talking about Baltimore a good bit on today's podcast with Odell signing the one-year deal to the Ravens. Um, but I'll be heading to Baltimore, so there'll be no episode this coming it'll be Friday when it gets uploaded. So this will be the only one this week, but we have um, a good episode for you today. Sidney McLeod joins us from Ferris State. Really excited for that conversation. He just finished spring camp with the USFL Breakers. So um, a D2 guy, makes it to the pros, and now has a shot at playing some professional ball. Pretty obvious, uh, pretty obvious grab for the pod. Yep. Um, otherwise, college college scene draft prospect coming after media members on Twitter is the headline I have written down, which is pretty accurate. I think um, one of the projected first round pick, basically just with a lot of expletives thrown in there, told some media members to shove it in their Twitter DMs, and it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, we'll take a look at that and those tweets, and then finally, uh, Northwestern just signed the new pa- signed papers on their new stadium to sign two different construction companies to oversee its building. And there's actually a lot of public backlash. There's petitions being signed to cancel the construction or to have the city council not approve the construction of the of the stadium, which is, there's a lot of weird stuff going into it, but the stadium itself looks sick. So we're going to look at the stadium. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. And then uh, I think the release renders a while back, um, but now it's like actually coming to, you know what I mean? Like it's going to actually happen. So uh, we'll talk about that stadium, take a look at it later. Just hundreds of millions of dollars going into that, which is ridiculous. But uh, as always, you can watch this episode on YouTube. Don't forget about the timestamps at the bottom of the screen. Anything you just heard that sounded remotely interesting, fast forward to that. Uh, listen pretty much anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon. Uh, follow us on Twitter, D1 underscore rejects, where we're slowly inching towards 1,000 followers. And on Instagram, at Division One Rejects, to see highlights from the show. I don't know if I said it, this is episode 95, five away from the coveted 100. Yep. And... You know, before we, we do any of that, we'll get right into that conversation with Sydney out of Ferris State. Joining us tonight, the two-time defending national champion at the Division II level. He was recently signed to the Breakers in the USFL. Super excited for him. Reigning from Ferris State, it's Sydney McLeod. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Great to be on. Man, nothing much. Just Great. finished up first day of uh, game week practice, sounds like, down there in, in Alabama, right? So exciting times for you, dude. Yeah, very, very. You know, everything's you know changing. Everything's moving actually real quick. So that's what I want to ask get, you, know, you signed with the Breakers a few weeks back, right? And then you already finished up camp. You play Sunday. Like that turnaround is ridiculous. You just thrust right into it. Uh, what is the expression like? Put right to the flames immediately. Like, how have you responded? What's that? These last couple weeks been like for you, dude? Like a whirlwind. Um, like I said, it's been it's been a lot. But it's, like I said, it's everything. I kind of you know wanted, you know, from this process, and, you know, just, you know, things really happened pretty quick, but, like, just outside of that, you know, things just, like, you know, things changing really quick, just the, the whole, you know, adjustment and, you know, being being here, this is everything I could want, you know, just, you know, with the experience of going to the next level, just getting adjusted and everything. Hell yeah, dude. Where they got you uh, posted up down there? Hotel? Uh, so, um, yeah, no, nah, we, uh, we uh, basically have, like, apartments. Okay. Uh, so me and another teammate, uh, actually uh, Alex Thomas, uh, former uh, Ferris State corner as well, that uh, graduated in 2021. That's right. He's actually on a, uh, another corner on the team. So we're actually signed to the same agency. So uh, once we kind of, you know, linked up, so me and him roommates. And we do That's special stuff, dude. That's pretty sweet. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Now, they yeah, take care uh, of, yeah. I thought I read they take care of, like, housing and, and meals and those type of things for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, uh, housing and food, everything's paid for. So we can, you know, 
save money, make money. So it's a real good situation once I really got here. Really, yeah. I know. It's like cause people talk about, you know, um, we talk about spring football. I think the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people is the salaries. Like, what are these guys getting paid? And when you look into it, like, yeah, you know, these aren't NFL salaries. Like, there's a reason for that. You'd have to bring in the market and those type of things. This league's trying to get running again, you know, coming back around spring football. But um, then when you throw in some incentives like that, shit, you're definitely – these guys definitely aren't complaining. I feel like the mindset from those guys is just got to be grateful, right, down there? Right, right. A lot of – you know, a lot of these guys, you know, like since I've been here, a lot of these guys have past NFL history. So a lot of these guys just really here using this as a, as a stepping stone like, like, like most of everyone. Everyone's here trying, you know, prove themselves – to get back to the NFL, so like I believe on our team, it's uh, it's only three players that haven't had uh NFL uh, history really? at all. Like so, the competition is 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 basically there. Holy shit, man! I didn't. I mean, I knew like obviously you get a lot of guys who are on that bubble, right? Like the fifty third man. That's the rocks thing over in the XFL. Like the fifty right. third dude who gets cut, um, and whatever off the NFL roster. But um, I wanted to ask you about the outlook kind of on this year, the talent level of the squad. But I think you kind of just touched on it. Like you're one of how many did you say, guys, that don't have NFL experience? Like, that's got to be – uh, Yeah, it's three of us. It's three of us. Yeah. Literally. Rest, rest of everyone has has had a – has been multiple years with the team or, you know, had a couple camp invites or a couple, you know, training camps and didn't make the team or, you know, different variations of things. But that's just, that was the main difference, you know, really understanding, like, you lining up and then you really figure out who this guy is. You're like, oh, man, like, this, he done playing the pros. Like, he started, you know, multiple players. So, yeah. And it, it kind of, you know, it's real. It's real, for sure. I love that, dude. Now, um, you're a guy that went undrafted as far as USFL is concerned. Now, talk me through right. that day, those – I think it was just the one-day college draft. And what were your thoughts like right. after that? Were you surprised by that? There weren't a ton of – I think there were only five or six D2 and under guys that, that went in that draft. But were you surprised by that, or was that something you were expecting? Um, really, I was I was, I was, was pretty surprised. Um. My agent let me know kind of like a like a, a probably a few days before that I had actually got into the draft. Okay. And uh, I mean, once that happened, it kind of really opened my mind up to like to USFL. Really, I, I wasn't really like you know too really like tapped into the USFL honestly. Like, gotcha. so but once my agent hit me up like, oh you're you're in the draft, well, I'm like, okay, let me pay attention to it. So uh, once it happened and I didn't see my name get called, it was I wasn't really down because it wasn't nothing really to be down about. It was just. And, and the way it happened so quick, like, I literally probably found out I got in the draft three days before the actual draft. So man. once that happened, I – yeah, so once that happened, I was like, oh, man, like, that's when I kind of seen it, like, oh, the USFL is definitely an option. Like, so – but once the draft passed, I was training. I was just – I actually had a few guys that uh, I was training with that got drafted in the draft. That's, and uh, yeah. just to see that, it was a – it was just pretty cool. I just – at that moment, I seen the USFL as – as a as a as a real option for me, as a legit option. That's funny because like that's basically yeah. the same story we got. We talked to uh, Chim Okorafor. He's an offensive lineman from Benedictine College. I'm would not blame you if you'd never heard of it because I had never heard of the place either. But dude's a monster. Yeah. He's built like. I don't even know what a pro comparison is. You know what I mean? But just like has the measurables and those type of things to come out of the NAIA level. And he was the only guy from that level to be drafted into the USFL. And that's honestly kind of the same thing he told us is that. He got right, word right. like just a maybe a week beforehand that like from his agent that said, Hey, you know, not really sure what's going on here, but like these teams might be looking at you. And I think it's right. funny that the teams just don't have a ton of direct contact with you. What was that like getting in contact with the breakers? Was it just, just as sudden as everything else? 
Yeah, it, it was it, it was real sudden. Like uh, I have a I got a great agent, uh, Eric Morada. Shout out, got a great agent. I appreciate him. He uh, he's on top of everything. You know, every option. That's just the type of guy he is. He's a go getter. So, um, how can I explain it? Um, really, yeah. So he, once he hit me up, he let me know about the draft like a couple of days before. I was like, okay, okay. Like I wasn't really too worried about it. We didn't we didn't even speak really after. When I didn't get drafted or anything. Gotcha. But um, it was like, when I tell you this, like, like it's just him always doing his due diligence and making sure he, you know, he he doubles back and, you know, follow up with people and stuff like that. But it was, it wasn't until like the 24th of um, March that, uh, that I had got any contact with the breakers or anything like that. So uh, really they reached out, they reached out to him and then he just called me one day. Cause you know, before that, if I'm being honest with you, I was kind of, you know, like like what most regular prospects is doing, they was just waiting on the draft. Um, yeah. So when he reached out, when he reached out, he was like, uh, he was just like, uh, I got a US this a USFL team that's that's really interesting to you. Like, and I was like, like how interested? I'm like, would I be able to play like right now? And you know, I was already worried about like having to sit out a year and yep. come back and play next season. I was just trying to really figure out what was going on. But when he told me that, he was like, like mid conversation, he was like, oh, this is the general manager calling me. As as we spoke, so he hung up. That's sick, man. And then um, yeah. So then he ended up calling me back, and he was like, "Yeah, man, like they're they're really interested. Like uh, like I'm bring you up there now." And then at first I was unsure if I could really um like play right away. He was like, "Oh no, you're they just had to drive. You're a you know 2023 eligible prospect. You can go over there and play right now." Okay. And um, exactly. So once he told me that, it was kind of on me. It was I had a it was on me to decide whether or not um I was gonna go out there. So uh to me I just really thought about it. I thought about it and I just decided it was it was the best move for me. You know, a lot of guys just, you know, end up in a situation where if they their name don't end up being called for the draft, end up having to sit out, you know, sometime. So to where with me, I didn't really want to risk the fact of, you know, sitting out and and dealing with, you know, not playing playing the game. Yeah. Literally. I'm going to say, yeah, like you go right. out there and, and then, you know, say you come out and, and put some like, just put some awesome tape together. You know what I mean? And now you go back, right. like you said, now you you really have to take a guy in your position coming from a D2, even though you guys have had that prolific success that you've had and you already have a ton of great tape. We'll talk about Ferris here in a second. But if you don't take advantage of that opportunity, right? Like everyone in your shoes, I think should do the exact same thing. I think you're totally making the right move. Um, I'm excited to right. hopefully see some some D2 guys, you know, balling out on, on Sundays, man. Right. And then really like like my agent, you know, he he really spoke on to me about it like like we we like this is I mean the opportunity, you know, to like me being it being here, you know, and being like here now and seeing like, like how how it really is, the opportunity that like that I was that I was given, it's 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 really a blessing. Like it's so many it's only so many opportunities that like are out there, you know, first off for you know, small school guys and or you know, small just small school guys in general. So uh like that to my to me and my agent, like he's seen it as the perfect opportunity, literally for my just for my situation. So yeah. when we really broke it down, we was like, this is this is gonna literally play out better, you know, in the long run for me, especially me just being a small school prospect. It may be a, a different route than most others would, but being able to, you know, be a small school guy, get my foot in the door already, be a professional and be, you know, playing in a game where, you know, scouts now they respect the play. Now if I go out here and catch, you know, four or five picks like I did last year. Yep it will be respected and it will be like literally like my agent literally called me like 
Like literally, I, he told me pack everything up. You're gonna literally go there, and you'll be leaving. You'll be leaving New Orleans Breakers to go to an NFL team. So once he told me that, like, and like I said, me and him are extremely close. So once you tell me something like that, it's like, come on, I'm ready to execute at this point. Like I love the game. It's it's nothing holding me back from you know playing somewhere some extra snap. So I love that, dude. I and mean, that's the mindset you gotta have too, right? And like you said, um, you know, not to put a damper. Like I'm a D2 guy myself too up here at Northern. Like, but to those scouts. Six picks in the USFL compared to six picks, you know, going through and playing at first, that's going to mean something more, right? And so now you just got to go and put it on the right. tape and you got all the confidence. I, I love that. But before we talk about Ferris, I guess I didn't realize you started off at Northwood. And yeah. you just got to know, you're a Florida guy. How the hell did they get you? How'd they grab you up out of there and get you to come play at Northwood, man? Yeah. Um, that is crazy. Um, it was a crazy situation because um, I was committed to a college. I was committed to a different school, but I guess some things – uh, Shaw University originally, like, my senior year. Okay. But I ended up going up there, and I didn't really, like – I didn't really like the campus. So, once I came back home, I decommitted. And uh, I was picking up a lot of, like, you know, small schools, small schools. But um, still no schools I was really interested in, like, like seriously about going to. So, really, I, my coach ended up going to, like, a coaching convention. And uh, somehow they ended up – he ended up speaking to me, to, like, to Northwood about me. And, like, from there it was on. So – they ended up meeting him and Coach uh, uh, Coach Ritma, ended up meeting them at the coaching convention, and he loved everything about me, seeing my film gotcha. and everything like that, and uh, ended up going up there my first year. I love it, dude. Yeah. It's just a you know product of the circumstances. I got to say, too, the transformation, the freshman photo to, like, the last one that's on the Ferris Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. Hey, that's growth, though. That's growth. Right. And see, what a lot of people don't know, like, Northwood, I, I was, like, the first two freshmen in, like, 10 years. So, yeah. just that, that that experience was – was was that, that was the experience in itself, just going there and, you know, being a young guy and really, you know, being out there playing and, and being good. So, it kind of got me ready for the rest of my career, I'd say. Then, you know, being on a team that wasn't as successful as the program I transferred mm -hmm. to, yeah, so it, it definitely built me up. Totally, dude. I like that. And I got a, I got a story – from you that I or of you I should say that I need clarification on this is Coach Anise <laughs> you and I'm sure it's true because you know he's trustworthy source obviously but he says talks about how you tore your labrum before the season went out got an MRI said your shoulder fell out at practice in a one-on-one -on -one period in the first week go to get your MRI they put it back in and it dislocated as you were getting the MRI mm -hmm. yep 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 any better than that dude. Like literally be sitting there like what the hell else can go wrong today, dude? Man, I tell you, like when it came out again, it was a situation where I'm like, man, I don't know. If I'm, I that that's when it really scared me. I'm like, whoa, nah, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to play. Like that's yeah. what really scared me. But it's real. After that, once we ended up getting through that, then I was it was just another thing to added to the list. I, but, um, yeah, that's a true story, though. That's a true story. Yeah. That's a true story. It was a great rep. I was mad because the Cowboys were at practice and literally right there. Your great rep on the slam broke it up. Some of you guys that day, and then that's when it happened. Yep, yep, yep. You'd be double pissed. I'm I couldn't. Oh. And I literally, I went down right on the sideline, like right there. They was trying to cut my number one jersey. I'm like, no, no, this is my baby. You can't cut that. We got to get it off. We got to get the soda pads <laughs> off a different one. Can't cut my number one surgery. No way. Oh, yeah. that's great, dude. I, I mean, I get it. I'm a guy who, you know, I've done two ACLs. So I've had the surgery twice, and I know that, you know, the feeling of, like, 
holy shit, like I, this might be, I'm going to be watched from the sidelines this year. That had to be a thought going through right. that, during that day. Like what was that, that kind of day? Like talk about the emotions of that. Cause I feel like that gets kind of thrown under the rug a lot. Yeah, de- definitely emotional, you know, like, especially at the point I was with my team, like, yeah. like, you know, being a leader, you know, so just, you know, not knowing you can't go out there and like, you know, I already view myself as like one of the you know, best players, you know, just, just outside of that, just being out there to be out there to be the best player for my team. And like, just the thought of just not being able to do that. Like it was definitely a few days where I was just, you know, out there like, and this was like, when I was throwing the bubble, like it was unsure whether I was coming back or not. And just, mm-hmm. I couldn't just, I couldn't, I just had tears in my eyes, just, just sitting there watching, like just couldn't believe it. So that's what also just drove me. Like when I figured out I could, you know, figure out a way to play, I had to, cause just no one couldn't sit out. Like it was killing me. I already eat me up. Tears every time I was on the field. Yeah, Literally. I hear you, man. And he has said, like, coaching, he said, like, I didn't know if I was going to get a game out of him, three games, two, you know what I mean? Didn't know. And right. you come out and you show up right. the whole season, you know, model consistency for those guys. And then you kind of cap it off in that championship game. You have the pick, yeah. you take it back to the house. You guys go up 27 nothing. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, I ain't even surprised. Like, honestly, I really wasn't. And yeah. I, was that the feeling, the same feeling you guys had? You had to be damn near, like, floating on the sideline. Yeah, like, honestly – if I'm going to be honest with anybody that knows, we knew before that game, first off, we were there a year before. You know, we were yep. so comfortable with that field. That was there. That was their first time. So it's a different experience for when you go to a national – a stage like that for the first time, oh, you know. Yeah. Like, look what happened to us our first time. We lost 2018, you know. It's just a different feeling. So just that. And then once we really broke the film down, we knew if we played our game, they couldn't really mess with us. So <laughs> – we, knew, we just knew that. So Yeah, I think defensively is where you guys, like, even, you know, we talked about your resume as a, as a program the last four years, the, the way you've been able to continuously make it back to at least that Final Four or even the National Championship. And the defense, I feel like, has was, was gotten you there really just every single time. And not to discredit your offense, obviously they're talented on that side of the ball as well, but the type of ball you guys play, you've just shut down some super yes. high-powered offense, which I think is super impressive. And because of how dominant the last two years for Ferris, the program has been the conversation has now shifted towards changing the playoff structure for D2 and how they seed it. Because obviously right now we have the regional seeds and you know, you guys have encountered some of your toughest competition before you even make it to that semifinal match. I think uh, Pittsburgh state and grand Valley this year are probably two of those really good examples. And division one FCS is a model that people at this level have continuously looked at because they don't go by region, but they go by seeds or rankings to determine those matchups. And I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that. Because like I said, those two games that I just mentioned, like, those were cutthroat, dude. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's even a, a, um, a secret anymore that uh, nine times out of ten, the winner of Super Region Three is gonna win it all. Okay. Um, and I think, and I think, uh, even to, even internally after we beat GV the second time in the, uh, I want to say regional um, finals, we knew that was the game that was gonna, uh, that was a national championship. So uh, I think, I think for sure, man, I think they should definitely. Uh, Redo, redo that, redo the uh, regional because it'll just make for more competitive football. And you know the teams like Fair State is great, you know, but it kind of dims the light of the other, you know, real powerhouses. You know, Northwest Missouri, Pitt State, all those other teams that another good that name, more right, so yeah. truly deserve to get that, to get that, um, to get that, to get that, to get that experience of making it to the national championship instead of you know terrible seating and you know this terrible region thing they got going on because I. 
I, I, I believe that. Like, uh, those two teams we definitely faced easily could have uh, gave us more competition in the national championship like they did early in the playoffs. I for sure. Good. It's interesting, too, because, like, you know, the model is proven at another level, at a higher level, right? It's proven at a higher level. So mm-hmm. I'd be not very surprised if they ended up changing some of those things, um, you know, over these next couple of years. And obviously, if the Bulldogs go and do it again, then the conversation is going to be heavily shifted that way. So we'll, we'll see about that, yeah. dude. But um, thank you again for coming on. I'm excited to, to hopefully see you out there, um, you know, playing with one of your teammates, too, which is it's so special in itself. I didn't even realize that uh, that was a situation. But it's been a crazy last couple weeks for you. Glad we could uh, at least stop and check in with you, man. Nah, man, I appreciate you being on. And I'm going to just give you a little jump. I, I definitely like Ferris State to go back. They just, they got it. They got all okay. the pieces already. Man. They reloaded, man. So I love it, dude. Yeah, they crazy. you got to reload. And that's what, like, even behind, you know, you bring back Malik Mitchell, Carson Golker, and that offense is. Man. I was talking about the defense. The offense has got to go in too, man. And the way that, you know, I always talk about, uh, in, in 2021, the way they were able to sub out and do like a line change on that offensive line was one of oh. the craziest things I've seen in sports. And when you yeah. have that brand of football and you can bring in fresh guys like that, the bar from one to two is right there, right? And man. it's impressive, dudes. So they got a shot. They got a shot every year, man. For sure. For sure. For sure. I but I appreciate you, you bringing me on, man. Anytime, you just reach out and I'll be able to come on. I'm going to take you up on that, especially when you have a breakout year, all right? For sure. Thank you. Of course. See you, man. Great talking with Sydney. Um, you know, just like I said, pretty obvious pick for us, getting a guy from D2, from Ferris. We've talked to a lot of Ferris guys, but for good reason, because they have been absolutely ridiculous. The last, I mean, you think about it, their last four years made it to the national semifinal, or sorry, made it to the finals, championship game, made it to the semifinals, and then won the last two, handedly won the last two. So, a ridiculous run that has been going on down there um, at Ferris and, you know, kind of looking like they're going to keep that same trajectory. Nothing implies that they they won't be able to continue to do that. Um, Now, NFL side of things. Odell finally gets paid, and it was a lot more than I think a lot of people were expecting. A lot By a lot of people, I mean myself, because I think it was reported earlier on that he was asking for 20 mil, and teams thought that was ludicrous. Again, also agree with that. He gets $15 million guaranteed on a one-year deal with the Ravens. And per Ian Rappaport, Odell joined the Ravens with, quote, a clear understanding that Lamar Jackson will be his quarterback in 2023. Uh, dude. I don't know if it's clear to anybody else except Odell. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot because there's been a lot of shit going on between them. But, I mean, he does always, like, Lamar came out and said, like, he, he, he just set the record straight and threw out a tweet said, yeah, it out. But like I don't, I don't think he wants to leave. Like I really do think he wants to stay. Yeah, the I think he does is, too. Like, they just, like, they need too. to put the right people around him, and I don't know that they've done that. And this is like probably too little, too late. But it looks like they're at least trying to do that like now. Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, if he's back Bateman. and healthy, right? Because he was, he's been battling some injuries. Yeah, Bateman, Odell. I mean, you have at least a resemblance of a decent yeah. pass catching core. Yeah, so last season, the Ravens wide receivers had the fewest receiving yards, fewest targets, and second fewest receptions in the NFL. That's yeah. bad. Now, I mean, they had, uh, what's his I'm going to say Tyler Hauntley yeah. playing for a good stretch there. But still, receiving yards from their wide receivers, 1,517. 
That's it? Among all of their wide receivers. Oh, my God. That's, that's got to be like one of the NFL's lowest. It's is very bad. 200 targets and the second fewest receptions at 124. Who was less than that? I would love to know. I, I don't, actually. Um, I'm going to say on this Titans. piece. You could be correct. Yeah, no, you could be. You could be totally correct. And, um, you know, Odell and and Lamar have been linked to each other for a while. This was the this is the picture that got put on uh, out on Twitter, and it's a picture of Lamar and Odell FaceTiming, and that or it's on Instagram. Sorry, hashtag Truz. That's dope. <laughs> I love it. That's what's cool about the league. Yeah, like these guys. At the end of the day, like. I think people forget like these guys all like know each other off the field. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're so, part of such a select crew that um, especially high profile guys like Lamar, like Odell, like those guys know each other and they've been around each other enough to, to kind of get a sense of that. And they've obviously talked about this before. You know what I mean? Like this is something that they've, uh, they've wanted to do now. Cade, that wasn't the only interaction that uh, Odell and Lamar had. They wasted no time to get out and uh, celebrate. His boy coming over to Baltimore. You see this? <laughs> they were together, right? Yeah, they're out here, and it says like, you know, like welcome OBJ, whatever. And they're look, at Lamar. <laughs> Lamar's not having it, bro. <laughs> Where is he? Watch, he's so Odell's on the left smoking something. There's Lamar right there in the white hat. Oh yeah. He well, for whatever reason, bro, he is not having it. <laughs> they got the sign, the glow stick. All the girls come out with their little thing. Wait, so okay, this is the the Bears had. Twenty five ninety eight last year. So the Bears, the fewest I, yards on, of, on receptions. Twenty five ninety eight. Those receiving yards. Yep. Ravens had three point two. Falcons had two point nine. Well, you're talking about. Are you talking about yards per reception? No. What are you talking about? You're talking about total yards receiving yards on receptions by a team in twenty twenty two. It was the Bears. Was it really? Because the Ravens least catches though. the Ravens had the fewest receiving yards. The Ravens wide receivers at one thousand five hundred seventeen. Maybe their running backs made up more of that. I'm not sure. You know, but either way, thought that was funny. Lamar apparently just not having it at all. Um, they went out obviously somewhere, but uh, we can move on. Let's go. Uh, Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright is a guy that. Well, for those who don't know, he's an offensive lineman from Tennessee. He's projected to go very early in this year's draft. Some people even had the Lions taking him at 18 overall. Okay, I don't know if you saw that. And Darnell Wright? Yes. And this is a guy that um, has ta- taken some backlash. I mean, everyone does coming to the draft, right? Like, all these guys that are analyzing prospects, all they do is try and poke holes in your story, right? They try and poke holes in your play and, and nitpick and be, which all NFL teams are doing too, but the difference is, they're not posting it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. These guys are. And uh, from Dove Gleeman year, this is a response to Willie Lutz, some, I don't know, reporter, NFL and pundit, whatever. And he says, the tweet from Lutz says, Darnell Wright is a pure right tackle and has no business playing left tackle. <laughs> should, I, should I even repeat the response? You want you want to do it? Um, I'm trying to think of a word that I could like replace. Yeah, with it. I don't know if there's really anything, dude. <laughs> you are a pure carnivore. <laughs> what did you? What did you pay? What did you play to say anybody has any business doing anything? Obviously, just disregards a bit. everything from the tweet. <laughs> like breaks it down like a freaking fraction. <laughs> I just I love it, and the the word the carnivore was good. There's obviously an interesting expletive there. Uh, you can find that on Twitter if you're so inclined. But basically, absolutely coming after these media guys, going directly to the DMs, 
and calling these guys out to their face. Not a public reply. A oh, private yeah. DM. A public reply would have been hilarious. Now, obviously, it was made public eventually anyways. Um, but that that was hilarious. But then, you know, you think that usually after things like that happen, you're going to get some type of public apology. And uh, we did end up getting that apology. This is from Darnell Wright. He said, quote, Probably a little heavy on the specific choice of words. I'm no choir boy, but this, when someone says I can't do something, it really grinds my gears. Language is a little more polished up here. At Willie Lutz, it's all good. You were probably actually defending me a bit. Appreciate that. Maybe we'll do a podcast in Cincy one day. What? (laughs) How can you go from calling someone a carnivore, a meat (laughs) muncher, to... Hey, let's get on the let's hop on the mics. I one always day. think that the, the the comment section on, on Twitter posts are just freaking yeah, they're gold. good. The they're memes, good. Yeah. the memes, and the top and the and the Twitter comments are just ridiculous. I'm always afraid because I never know like what to expect, but it looks like it. <laughs> the agent, like why? Yeah, though? you know, like you know, someone's like his PR. I'm assuming he has like a PR person yeah, or something along those lines. And uh, well, yeah, if you're gonna be a first round pick, you got someone right to publish or something, and. Uh, they have to just be like hating their job right now, hating oh, life, because yeah. they're trying to mop up what is this uh, public relations nightmare. But I found entertainment from it. I think a lot of guys probably sympathize with this position because, yeah. like I said, that's all they do. They just pick apart these prospects and, excuse me, for lack of a better way to say it, like they just find what they're not good at, right? They love to point out things that people are not good at, right? right? Only the top 1%, I feel like, really get praised for X, Y, and Z. So yeah. I get where he's coming from. Um Let's go over to Northwestern, signing the deal to construct their new stadium. And before we talk about any of the backlash and anything that's going on uh, kind of behind the scenes, let's just take a look at what the stadium itself actually looks like. They've signed two construction companies to oversee its $800 million stadium project. And we'll talk about the backlash from the community in a minute. But holy shit, Cade. That's looks like a. Uh, this is like inconceivable. Looks like an MLS field, kind of. The, the structure, like I don't know what the maybe it's like architecture or what, yeah. but I totally get what you're what you're saying. It says the Wildcats are aiming for a final approval by midsummer. Now that would be like total approval, is in like you've got the green light, you can start building this thing, you can break ground. Like they that's went, what they went and played in Germany once, and then said, "Fuck it, we're building a <laughs> soccer field <Yeah>. plan." <laughs> they really, they really did though. That is insane. Now we keep. Taking a look at some of these. This is the inside. And now that, I feel like... Such it's big soccer vibes. Very, yeah. Very MLS, like, yeah. big soccer, like, pitch vibes. Yeah, definitely. And I think part of that is a super wide sidelines. It's the roof, too. Yep. The roof is a big part of it. Now they have they have those super wide sidelines. I don't know if that's very common for this type of stadium. Yeah. That looks like, I mean... This it's like an like oval. probably going to be a multi-purpose type feel, yeah. I would assume. It's like ovalish. It is ovalish. That's I think that's part of the weird part. Yeah. It doesn't have as very defined corners. Yep. Nonetheless, that looks insane. Yeah, beautiful. Now, I will ask you, when was the last time Northwestern could actually put this many people in seats? I mean, you pay $800 million not to, you know, not have it fill up. Yeah, but I mean, I would hope, like, the opener, this bitch better be, as Ty would say, this shit better be cracking. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you'd hope so, dude. Yeah, that's insane. There's two more, actually, we can look at before they we start about the They need a good beer deal. They got a lot of people in there, I think. And we're going to talk about the alcohol side of it, actually, in a second. That's going to come with some potential zoning changes where the stadium is going to be built. There is the outside of Ryan Field. And mm. then, finally, there is one more. I always enjoy looking at the people in these renders. You know what I mean? Everyone kind of does it differently. I think it's hilarious. It looks pretty real. It does. These ones look pretty good, actually. Those are, I think those are actually real people. 
that are put in there. Some of them. I don't even know anymore because those look really good. Really but yeah, nice. so they have this, like, I mean, it feels like there's not a parking lot immediately outside the stadium, right? Like, you go out and there's this, like, almost a courtyard-type yeah. vibe with these little pathways and things like that. So this is part of what they're planning, I mean, is to be a multi-purpose-type center, right? So we can talk a little bit now on the backlash of the residents of Evanston. Now, over a thousand of them have signed a petition asking city leaders to not approve construction. Now, really not a lot of people, but considering this was just really put into motion, that number has grown a ton since this article was, was published. Um, and for whatever reason, people are just not happy about this, which is kind of crazy because yeah. one thing I will say is that this is being funded with private money. This is not public money. Okay. So that's, I think when you talk about stadiums like this, that's the usually the biggest concern is that where is this money coming from? And if it's, you know, uh, with the Chicago Bears, the city of Chicago was going to help pay for that render that we looked at, yeah. the new Soldier Field. Yeah. Now, that would be coming out of taxpayers' wallets, part of it, right? This is on the other side of the alley. This is going to be privately funded. It's like donored. Assuming donors. a bunch of boosters, yeah. yeah. It's got to be crazy. So, uh, Northwestern is seeking a zoning change that would allow it to host concerts and serve alcohol at the venue. Wow. So, they are talking about not only just a football facility right you're yeah, talking really about trying to get people there yes talking about multi-purpose talking about concerts some type of other live events i mean we actually go through a little bit of that up here right the superior dome mm. i mean you look on there right now the turf's up yep right they roll the turf up and flows not aware of the superior dome largest wooden dome in the world up here at northern michigan and when we're not playing football in there the out of season they'll roll the turf up they do home and auto shows in there they bring boats. in boats and different parts of pieces of houses in there to show off and sell yeah. um they hold all kinds of different events softball tournaments softball tournaments they have track and field obviously yeah. when they roll the turf up and i don't think this will have that type of diversity no but as a concert venue it makes a ton of sense a ton of sense excuse sure. me and it feels like that would be that'd be pretty sweet that'd be that'd be really cool now uh currently Ryan Field is 96 years old, the current Ryan Field at Northwestern. Really? That's crazy. You're coming on 100 years old. That's stupid. Field. It really is. I mean, now, a lot of history there, right? The this, this stadium is just the latest development for Northwestern, who looks like here has actually spent roughly a billion dollars over the last 10 years building up their athletic facilities on its private stretch of Lake Michigan landshore. Lake, Lake Michigan Shore. I don't know why I said Land Shore, but a billion. I mean, yeah. Have you seen their, their shit's insane? They just put that whole indoor thing, didn't they? Talk about the practice it's, facility? It's, it's kind of new, isn't it? The practice facility? Yeah, it's new. You mean this yeah, it's practice new, right? facility? This is relatively new. Um, not as new as uh, some of the other things. You know what I mean? I, I actually was the first camp in this building, if you remember. Yeah. Dad and I went there. Yeah. Yeah. So I was the first camp in uh, their practice facility. Now, that is, you're seeing it correctly, that is right on the water of Lake Michigan which is absurd, and it looks just as cool, if not cooler in person. That place is incredible. Yeah, now, so you've got, um, I'm trying to think, like, so, obviously, big glass window right there, right, up on the water, and then on the left side, you have that kind of wing that juts out. That is their entire weight room is yeah. right on that end of the field towards the water, and okay. it's huge. The ceilings are probably 80 feet tall. Are you serious? Oh, my gosh. It, dude, it's incredible. For right there, those are, on the right? No, no, no. I'm talking on the left. See that? piece that kind of juts out towards the water and stuff on the left oh, of the picture over there their weight room is all the way in there damn yes so it's on the end of the field right there and then locker room is kind of tucked away in there as well like everything everything you need man that's it's crazy all, that's it's, it's incredible yeah, it dope. is really sweet so northwestern uh definitely stepping up 
I don't know what the backlash is going to do as far as like maybe it delays the project, right? They said midsummer, yeah. whatever. They want to get this actually finalized and break ground on it. But um, either way, like Northwestern is seriously putting some money into this. And, uh, you know, as far as their football is concerned, it's kind of crazy because they haven't really warranted all these changes. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald is still on a pretty long tenure deal there, I believe, right? Is this, did he sign like an eight-year, ten-year deal? I think so. I want to say he did. And they just have not had the success. Yeah, They've been spotty some years. They're not good enough for us to know. No, that really, exactly, which is kind of sad. But either way, uh, I told you it would be real quick today. That was about all we had. Brief one. That was D1R95. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, like I said earlier at the beginning of the episode, no episode this Friday, but we'll be back next week with some more guests. I know for sure we've got uh, transfer defensive lineman from Saginaw Valley who's heading down to West Florida right now. Uh, interesting story with him. He's torn three ACLs and mm. is continuing playing. So I'm actually, along well. I know, right? So I'm excited for that conversation because that's a different side of the sports and injuries and, and those type of things. So excited for that. Uh, Going to have some other guests potentially from the Division Two level as well, still finalizing those. Uh, but thank you for listening. This has been D1 Rejects.